Wonderful. Thank you so much for that, Tim. Um, good morning, Wellspring. Yeah, we're still morning. We're still okay. We're still in the prior to 12 noon line. Um, it is a joy to be with you today. Um, and were, not, were it not that Tim already had two jobs, I would nearly say, let's get him another gig at the EA because that was he's nearly done my job, giving you a sense of what we are. Thank you so much for your support. Um, as Tim said... Um, he and Helen both take on roles in the, in the internal workings of the EA. They serve on our council and Tim on our board. And, but also this church is a member church. I just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for your support for the Evangelical Alliance. You enable what we do. Um, not only through being members as a church, but also for releasing your leaders and to deposit something of what God has given them for this community in the church in the United Kingdom. Um, and praise God that there is something upon them that is beyond the bounds of this city. We praise God for what he's doing in Watford, but there's also an anointing on you guys for what God is doing beyond. And it's such a gift to us to be served by them. Um, as Tim said, it's possible to be an individual member of the Evangelical Alliance. And before I continue in speaking, I'd love to give you a sense of who we are so you can place me somewhat as I stand before you this morning, but also so you can consider whether or not you'd like to stand with us. Now, I'm Damilola. I have a law background. I actually moved to London in 2018 to do the bar. And at the Evangelical Alliance, I work in our advocacy team. And that team is tasked with seeking to represent um, the voice of Jesus Christ and those who call him Lord in the halls of power in both in the, at the local level and also at a Westminster level, meeting with politicians, sometimes writing letters to Boris if we need to, engaging at that level so that the impact of the church in those spaces is seen, known, and felt. Um, but alongside representing the church, we are relational people. We know that God has brought us into a family in Jesus. And so we longed for unity in the church of Jesus. That's Jesus' prayer for his church is for unity. And we've made that prayer of Jesus our work in seeking to come alongside the church across different expressions and say, do you know what? As Jesus' people, it is his desire that we be one. And we're here to support the church, to live in unity. Alongside that, we are here to resource the church, to give materials. Some resources are downstairs um, around sharing your faith in your context, around dealing with tricky issues. We do work so that you can be equipped as followers of Jesus in the different places that God has set us by his sovereign will to fully let our light shine so that all will see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Amen. So that's who we are as Evangelical Alliance. We seek to represent the church, to resource the church, and to prioritize relationships and unity in the body of Christ. Um, and if you'd like to hear more, um, there is a leaflet you can find on your way out downstairs. And also it gives you opportunity to sign up to be a member for a nominal fee of £3 a month. You get to lend your voice to what God is doing within his church in this nation. And we need your support now more than ever. So please do consider if that's a step that you could take. Um, so yes, it's a joy to be here today as um, advocacy engagement lead at the Evangelical Alliance. Um, but as Tim said, I'm also, um, I work at my church in King's Cross. It's called King's Cross Church. We spent a lot of time on that name, as you can see. Um, and at KXC, 
While I've come to share in God's word, and we're going to get to that in a moment, I've also come to draw something of what God is doing in this community. We got a prophetic word a while ago as a church that God was leading us into something new in the area of diversity, in particular when it comes to racial diversity, but also diversity along socioeconomic lines across backgrounds that God is doing a work in us. And I believe that work continues. But as I look at this room, as I looked at the earlier service, As I see this church, I see that God has done something remarkable, truly wonderful. And maybe it's normal to you now because you're in this community, but it's me coming from the outside. And I want to say that what I'm seeing in this place is nothing short of a foretaste of glory. That seeing different tribes gathered together in this place is the work of the Spirit. And praise God for it. And actually, before I continue, I wonder if you could stretch out a hand towards me as a point of contact for my church in King's Cross and pray that what God is so establishing and continuing to build here can be true of us in King's Cross. Can we do that? Yeah. So, Father, thank you so much for this church. Father, I thank you for what you've imparted in them. And Lord, I pray that more than just me coming to give, Lord, that something of what you've given them would be true of us at KXC. Father, something of what it is to honor different cultures, to find space for different cultures at the table, for it not just to be in words, but in deeds. Lord, would you shape us in that way? Lord, would you make us representative of our local community as Wellspring is representative of Watford? Thank you for your gracious gifts of kindness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, family. Thank you. It's good to be with you today. Now, we are continuing on in this theme of the body of Christ. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we're going to spend some time there this morning, continuing on in the series as you've been in it on essential matters. It's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to read here from my Bible from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 across verse 1 to 21. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said it is the one and only spirit somebody say the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts he alone decides which gift each person should have 
The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Someone say the same spirit. The same yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your old body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. This is God's word. And with that, let us pray. Hmm. Spirit of the living God, we honor you in this place. Thank you, Spirit, that you are the author of the scriptures. And so Lord, I pray that while I speak, that more than my speaking, you would be speaking through your word to your church. And Lord, I thank you that there is a purpose for which you have designed and designated this word today. And so, Lord, we pray and we join in agreement and we say that everything that is on your heart is what we receive today. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Don't you just love the Holy Spirit? I know that this is a church that loves the Holy Spirit and what a joy it is to do life with the Spirit of God. And yet alongside the joyous moments with the Spirit of God, how many of us know there can be some squeaky bum moments with the Spirit of God too? Has anyone ever had the Holy Spirit ask them to do something they really don't want to do? You know, I'm, I'm right here with two hands in the air. This has happened to me. And a story I've heard, a real story that captures some of this, um, goes like this, and this is true to life. As a man filled with the Spirit of God would go about his normal commute to work every single day. One day in particular, however, he passes by a vending machine on the street, and he feels he hears the Spirit of God tell him to do a handstand beside the vending machine. And he does what I believe any regular sane Christian would do, which is he goes on his merry old way, says, that can't be the spirit of God. There's no way God would want me to do a handstand by this vending machine. So he goes to work. When he's coming back in the evening, the very same thing happens again. He passes the vending machine. He feels God tell him this, shakes it off, says, that can't be God. Get behind me, Satan. Keep it moving. The next day, the same thing happens. The next day, the same thing happens. And again and again. Finally, he says, do you know what? I've, I've had enough. Lord, I give in. It's okay. Let me just do this. Let me do this real quick. Maybe find a moment where not too many people are watching. Do this real quick. And then go home on my merry old way and call it a day. 
And so he goes over to the men vending machine. He does the handstand for like two seconds and is down again. As he gets up and seeks to like, you know, adjust himself, someone darts across to him from the other side of the street. It's a young lady. And she asks him the one question that he doesn't want anybody to ask him. Why did you just do what you did there? And so alongside praying for the ground to swallow him up, he as sheepishly responds to her and he says, you know what? I'm a Christian and I felt that God told me to do this and so that's why I did this. She bursts into tears. And she says that earlier in that week, she was at her wits end. Things were going so wrong in her life and in desperation, she called out to a God she didn't believe in and told him, God, if you're real, then have someone do a handstand by that vending machine. And so in this moment, he is able to bring this woman into a relationship with the only one who can satisfy. How good is our God? How kind is he? What an awesome God who hears the cry in a room on your own and speaks to his servants to be just what is needed at that moment. So we hear that and we see that and we say, what joy. But for a moment, can we just go back to that discomfort? That initial discomfort, how can God ask me to do this? This doesn't make sense. You see, as we journey through this passage, as we read it today, we're likely to say, obviously, unity is a wonderful thing. Obviously, the spirit goes after this. And we miss some of the initial force at which it came to the church at Corinth. Because as, as topsy-turvy to culture as it is to just do a handstand by a vending machine, so it is what the spirit is speaking to the church in this moment. We need to hold onto that and catch sight of that so that we can step into the fullness of what God is saying to us. So a bit on Corinth. This was, again, Paul is speaking not just to a local assembly, he's speaking to the church in this city. And one of the things that marked out the city of Corinth, not just the church, but the city as a whole, was that it was a deeply hierarchical society. By that, I mean your place in society was determined by your rank, your position, your status, how much money you have. Some of you are sitting here and you're saying, not much has changed in 2022. And I think that's true. But even more so in that society, it took on a different form to the ways that we experience class division and whatnot in our day. Deeply hierarchical. And what happened is that in this context, we see people coming to know Jesus, Jews coming to follow Jesus, Gentiles coming to follow Jesus, and the Spirit is poured out upon them in power. And how we long for the Spirit to be poured out upon us in power. That is what will make the difference. That is what makes the difference in you and I is that we are those who are led by the Spirit of God. That's what makes us children of God. So the Spirit is poured out upon them, all these miraculous manifestations and gifts. And what happens is that the Corinthian church, they take this new power but then they apply it to their old patterns and ways of living. So now, rather than just being 
classist regular Corinthians. They are classist tongues talking Corinthians. They're filled with the spirit of God, but the same divisions that mark the world around them mark them in the assembly. And so when we come to this letter and we see its truths, it's not sent out into a vacuum. It's actually a letter of correction. Paul is saying, yes, there is something beautiful that you have in the spirit, but you've not fully worked out what it is. You've been given this brand new car, but you don't know the direction and purpose it's meant to travel in. So you're taking it across the same dirty tracks that you used to travel on before. But there's something new the spirit wants to lead you into. There is a wide open space, a way of living that you have not known before that the spirit wants to lead you into. And so the word of God to myself and to yourself, to us as the church today is, will we heed this word from the spirit of God? That God is calling us to stand apart to our culture, to its ways of being, to, as it were, do a handstand by a vending machine as we inhabit the body of Christ. But the thing to know is that even though this will mark us apart from the world, even though this will make us odd in the eyes of the world, how many of us know that upside down in the world's eyes is right side up in God's eyes? That's where the power lies, is in following what the Spirit is doing. So we want to trace and see what the Spirit is doing in this passage. Now, the key to understanding these two different parts that we have read in this passage, we start off looking at spiritual gifts, and then it seems to be a bit of a weird shift talking about the body. What is it that ties these things together? The headline here is that Paul is telling the Corinthian church what it truly means to be spiritual. To be spiritual is not simply to be gifted. To be spiritual is to be submitted. Now let's come and see how this works. Verse 3 of chapter 12 So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now when it comes to saying Jesus is Lord, I read this passage and I say... You know what, Paul, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how right you are there. I'm sure that many people can say Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure if I went on Watford High Street right now with a tenor and got someone to say, you know what, for this, say Jesus is Lord, that I'd have a deal done very quickly. But what Paul is saying is not simply people saying with their lips that Jesus is Lord. He's saying people saying with their lives, Jesus is Lord can only be done through the help of the Spirit. You see, because the priority of the Spirit in any community, in any life, is Jesus as Lord. That's what he's working after. That's his big idea. So if I want to tell you the Spirit's strategic plan for Wellspring Church in 2022 and 2023 and 2024, 2025 and beyond, it will stay the same. He's got one mission, the elevation of Jesus, the glory of Jesus. The Spirit's work is to give glory to the Son. So when the Spirit comes within us, 
nothing changes. It's that very same mission that he has in the world, that he has in the body of Christ, that he works in my body and your body. And this is because the work of the Spirit is to bring to life the life of God within us. You see, if we want to look for the very best example of unity in diversity, we don't look to a particular church or model. We don't look to a particular company or program. We look at the Godhead itself. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are a picture of perfect unity amidst perfect diversity. Each member of the Trinity is different, and yet they have the one essence. They are held together as one. They each have different workings and functions. So we have the Father as the initiator, but he never works without the Son and the Spirit in tow. The triune God sets the world in motion, says, let us make man in our image. God decides to send his son, Jesus, to the world. When Jesus is on, on the earth, he does nothing without hearing first from his father through the spirit. Jesus lives, he dies, he ascends. The father and the son send the spirit and the spirit works to give glory to the son. The father exalts the name of Jesus, gives him a name higher than any other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God, to the praise of God the Father. Unity and diversity, no better place to look than our God. And so when God comes to take up residence within us, that very same work is the work that he continues. He comes to bring out total diversity amidst perfect unity. So the spirit comes and he gives gifts. And yet we see what the purpose of these gifts is. The purpose of these gifts is to help one another. Someone say for us to help one another. And that's just keeping with what, with who the spirit is. We see from Proverbs that the spirit in wisdom is by the father as he sets the foundations of the world in place. And then Jesus tells us that he's going to send to us another advocate or a helper, another helper to be with us. So the spirit is a helper. And when he's working in us, he manifests so that we can help each other. And so we need, by the grace of God, not to consider our walk with God or our progressing along spiritual lines as just us amassing gifts and knowledge and insight for ourselves. The purpose of the giving of the Spirit is so that we can use to the help and the building up of the church. And we note here, again, the character of God. If you look at verses 7 to 11, we see the word give or gift 10 times again the spirit gives and he gives and he gives and he gives the spirit's sovereign action is to give and yet when we see God working we should ask what's my response God isn't working in a vacuum and he's doing something it's because he has a part for me to play the spirit is working and giving what's our action our action in response is use the Spirit gives, 
gifts. And our response is to use these gifts for the building of the body. And so as we go on in this passage, we see the body has many different parts, not just one. See, sometimes we, we think of unity and what we go to in our heads is uniformity. That you're not one with me because you don't do things the same way. And you don't believe things exactly the same as I do. And you don't speak in tongues with quite the same flavor as I do. So we are not yet one because we're not doing things the same way. Uniformity is not a manifestation of the Spirit. Uniformity will stifle the work of the Spirit. The Spirit works and He brings life to the uniqueness, to that which God has preordained that each person would step in and walk in. The Spirit causes it to thrive. Spirit isn't coming to quash diversity. He's coming to give it life. The two things go together, two signs of the same coin, as it were. We can't have unity according to the Spirit unless there is diversity. And our diversity is not diversity as the Spirit intends unless it's held together under submission to Jesus. Unless it takes its place within the body of Christ. So this is the work of the Spirit. He works in us that he might work through us that through us through our love through what he is doing in creating heaven on earth through the people of God and their submission to him that many more would join us at the banquet feast of the lamb and get to glory in the goodness of Jesus forever how wise is our God his ways are past searching He doesn't do things in the way that we would do them. And yet the power lies in submission to his will and his authority and his counsel. Let us position ourselves in alignment to what the spirit is doing. That the power, the blessing that flows where there is unity might flow to us. Amen? Amen. Now, all this talk about unity and diversity... Why would Paul need to talk in this way? The reason he needs to speak in this way and write this letter is because this doesn't come naturally to us. What the Spirit is talking about here, what he's putting a finger on here, is not natural to us. But do I have any supernatural people in the house today, watching today? This isn't something that we do in our power this is something that the spirit does through us and yet we need to consider the mechanics of how the spirit does this in us because in myself and i would venture to say in you too today that there is resistance to this work of the spirit and i think in the main it takes two forms both pride and insecurity Pride says what they're doing, I could do a way better job myself. And you know what? As great as everything is here, really, this church was built on my back. There is nothing that's happening here that wouldn't work the same way without me. That spirit of pride 
that first sin, it draws us out of finding our place within the body and seeks to isolate us and leave us on the outside. But it's twin. It's twin. Even though it manifests differently, it's twin is insecurity. Again, saying, there's no space for me in this place. They don't need me. Nobody recognizes what I give, or they've already got it sorted. They don't need what I have to contribute. You see, the church, the body of Christ has an enemy, and his desire is to weaken the church by keeping her separate and not unified. And so he comes and he whispers in one ear, lies of pride. In another one, lies of insecurity, demeaning the identity that we have in Jesus. And in either way, he takes us out of the body so that he can divide and conquer that way. Because once you move out of the protection of the body, you're out of the place where you were made to thrive and flourish. Do I have any people here today who are going to make the devil a liar and are going to say, I'm going to take my place in the body. You're not going to get me out of the body because Jesus has died to put me in this body. So I'm going to do everything I need to do to place myself under submission to Jesus. Whenever he whispers in my ear, I'm going to come back with the truth of God's word. You see, sometimes the devil, he comes and he comes knocking on your door and his desire is to pick you off to the side. Whenever in you it rises up that you're not needed or you don't have a place in the body, I want you to do something really, really radical. Super radical. You ready for it? I want you to reach out to somebody in the family of faith and tell them what's going on. Just speak it. Speak it out. The enemy, he only has power in darkness. His power is only an anti-power. There is no real power in him. But to the extent that we give him room and space, then he wreaks havoc. When we speak out and we go to one another in the body and we say, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. He loses his authority. He can't play in the light. So wherever there might be in any way, any rumbling of discontent or insecurity within you, I'd love to encourage you to bring it to the light, to say it to someone and let them pray for you. Stand together and say, Jesus died for this. I'm not going to let it go. And so my encouragement to you today is to find your place in the body. If you feel like you are different or what you bring isn't totally understood, fight for it. There's something God has given to you for this church. This church cannot be the church that God is calling it to be. No matter the gifting and anointing on Tim and Helen, praise God for them. Praise God for the senior leadership team. But God has already made this plain. It doesn't rest on the work of a few. It's the body. The body is where the power lies. But alongside this, there are levels to how we inhabit the body of Christ. And so I believe by God's grace that everything that Wellspring Church needs to be the church that God is calling it to be. Everything that you individually need to be the follower of Jesus that God is calling you to be is within this body. 
But again, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth, not just a local assembly within Corinth, but to the church in this territory. And so the word to God to us again is that what Watford needs to be the body of Christ is not only located in this church. It doesn't matter how many initiatives we proliferate and how many things we set our hands to. God will honor them. But the power to bring gospel transformation to this city is not in any one church. It doesn't matter how many buildings the church has, how many singers the church has, how many people come to it. This is a spiritual reality. It's in the body. I'm so encouraged by Christians across Watford, as we saw earlier. I'd love to encourage you to be praying for that, to be praying for the leaders there, because the enemy is going to attack it. But there is power in the people of God coming together and saying, we are the church of God in Watford. We bring the kingdom of heaven to earth in Watford, in Watford as in heaven. Amen. But again, beyond Watford... No matter how the churches come together in Watford and the Christians come together in Watford to see the move of God that we long for in this nation. How many of us want a move of God in this nation? We need a move of God in this nation. I don't know if you know, but we need a move of God in this nation. How is God going to do it? It's not going to be through me working at my computer in central London on my own. As much as the Evangelical Alliance works for unity, there's, there is a thing in unity that is beyond EA. We work to support it. If the church doesn't come together and say, in this day and in this time that God has set us in, we will be one that we might see his purposes manifest, then it's not going to happen. It's not me saying a curse over us. It's just this wisdom from the scriptures. God has said it. We need, and the UK needs more than ever, a united church. Not insisting that we all be the same, that we all function the same. Rather submitting to the work of the Spirit, embracing the discomfort of unity and contending for unity. So that we might also know the joy, the joy of seeing Men and women, children, and the environments God has called us into being drawn to the life that is in Jesus. I believe that is the call of the Spirit to us today. And so now, he asks us how we will respond. I'd love to invite you to stand as we seek to respond to the Spirit and what he is saying to us today. Come, Holy Spirit. I love to invite you right where you are just to ask the Lord the question, Lord, how do you want me to respond to your word? It might be that for some of us, God's been talking to us about something. And like that man in the story I mentioned earlier, we've been saying, no, God, this can't be me. This would be too weird, too uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. And God is reminding you, he's the person that's speaking. And he's not repeating it again and again to make you feel bad or to put shame on you. There is something on the other side of your obedience that he doesn't want you to miss out on. 
So, Lord Jesus, I pray for a grace to be released in this place right now. That we wouldn't resist you any longer. That we would heed the ways that you're speaking to us. And that we would jump on board with what you're doing and saying. For some of us, like me, we may be guilty of a critical spirit. Watching things from a distance. Having so many thoughts and comments on how things could be better. And never entering in. The key to the change that you want to see in the church, in part, is located within you. The Spirit of God, we bring that before you. Thank you that we can bring our sin to the cross. We don't have to run away with it. We bring it to the cross of Jesus. Spirit, show us how to function in the body as you want us to. Will we turn away from both pride and insecurity and we turn to you. Come Holy Spirit.